Hello, everybody. What up? And welcome to Unscripted. Uh, my name is Matt, aka Cut Corners. I'm the host of the show, and uh, yeah, we have guests every week or every every time we do these shows. Um, and the show is about the power of music. Um, so thank you to everyone who tunes in every week and uh, who listens on the podcast on Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcasts or on YouTube as well. So uh, yeah, thank you, thank you to everyone. Um, Today's guest has been one of the producers I've been checking for a while now. He's been involved in some of my favorite tracks. Uh, he's also a fantastic DJ, someone throwing some of the cool parties in New York City. And I'd really like you all to welcome Mike Nasty to the show. What up, Mike? Thank you for joining us today. How's it going? What up, everybody? <laughs> Hope everybody's having a great day. Absolutely, man. How's everything out in New York? It's cool. It's a hot day. Uh, I just got back from viewing a new rooftop that's opening in uh the lower east side of manhattan so i'm excited about that you are djing at a rooftop i was i was viewing a rooftop to potentially throw a party i've been oh. looking for new venues so it's a little hard to get venues in new york but we're making it happen oh awesome man a rooftop in new york sounds like a fantastic vibe absolutely man um so in addition to throwing parties though you're you're gearing up to release uh your album right is uh deep into the sun i saw on on uh, social media yeah so the album drops next friday september 2nd uh i think i'm planning a vinyl release as well that'll probably be somewhere down the road because i know the the factories are backed up right now but i'm planning for both of those releases but it'll be everywhere next friday Amazing. So a digital Friday and then eventually a vinyl re release, man. That's that's really sick. That's a real like, uh, I mean, when you get stuff pressed on vinyl, you know, it's really real, right? Exactly. And there's a community in dance music. They only listen to vinyl and dig for vinyl. So I want to hit all avenues with this, this, this first project. Yeah, that's that's true, man. Actually, I want to shout out the uh, homie Jared Jackson. Uh, he's really straight. Like he really really likes to make uh, vinyl versions of his songs and stuff. Um, he makes them digitally as well, but he's really committed to that as well. And I know, there's, like you said, there is definitely a, a community that really wants to preserve vinyl, which is really, really dope. Can you, Absolutely. Can you tell, actually tell me about like how, what that means to you? I'd love to hear a bit more about that. Like, Did you start off as a vinyl DJ? I didn't start out as a vinyl DJ. I grew up like in the early 90s when it was popular, but... I didn't start DJing until I was 17, and I think CDJs were already kind of out, and a lot of younger DJs were on, like, laptops. Like, I, I had homies on virtual DJ and things like that. Um, I think my actual hardware was, like, a Newmark. I think it was, like, an NS7 or something. Then by that time, I was in college, and then I went and bought Techniques, and then I had a a rain 57 mixer and that was like my baby for a long time man yeah r.i.p uh rain 57 that was a legendary mixer man i had one myself it was a game changer yeah i i, I mixed that missed that mixer a lot I, I missed the little triggers they used to have for the effects that were pretty cool but i have a s11 now that i use i love it yeah man yeah i'm very much the same that s11 really opens up all the kind of creative possibilities that you want to do as a dj would you agree yeah, absolutely absolutely <laughs> yeah man it's crazy uh actually just uh if you don't mind just talking about the 57 it was like that was a real i think a really hard decision for serato as a company to make like to not be able to support that it was like that was like the baby you know it was the first like serato mixer ever made so it was like a really big deal for us i That's think really apple ruined it like all the updates with the ios and stuff it just 
and the the fifty seven didn't really run smooth on PC. Might have lost you there, Mike. Um, hold tight. Oh yeah, we're getting you back. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, cool. I can still hear you. Okay, cool. But yeah, let's talk about um, about your record, man. Um, I mean, I've been playing your tracks. You've been putting out really amazing songs uh, for a while now. Uh, I was playing Brown Sugar. I've been playing Get Up, Crazy, Sexy, Dirty. Um, I want to talk about some of those songs, but I really want to hear um, about this album. You know, like um, what can we expect from from this new album? Uh, a lot of influence of like jazz. I've even started taking jazz piano lessons. I've been doing that for like a month now. I've always wanted to do that. Um, I've had a background in playing saxophone since I was in the sixth grade. So I've just always been in love with jazz, playing alto sax. So a lot of jazz influence. Um, so I've used session players before, but like literally this entire project is all me just like finessing the keys as much as I can. That's awesome. So, uh, yeah, a lot of jazz. Uh, my hometown is Memphis, so a lot of just blues. There's a, actually a track called The Blues on there. It's a very dark, lo-fi, deep house track. So I'm ha I'm happy to to share this with everybody. Yeah, man. Hey, that's really that's new information to me. I I just, just I thought you're a, a New York City born and raised, but you got a Memphis background. That's uh that's really interesting, man. I, I we were just talking about Memphis last week on the podcast with Nick and how much. Uh, you know, like that Memphis sound, especially in hip hop, has really like it's obviously blown up, and even more so with people like Beyonce sampling like Tommy Wright the Third on her on her record and stuff. Um, also, <laughs> you know, he, she's doing house music now as a renaissance, if you will. Um, this all seems like a really great time. Is is it going to be a lot of uh, house music on the record, though? Or are you gonna are you gonna do some other other style of production on there as well? It's all house music, all deep house. Um, that's kind of the lane I'm in right now, just trying to establish myself as a deep house artist, as well as just my deep house party that I throw in New York as well. So that's just kind of the lane I'm going in. Like, it's always just been, I don't know, it's in my blood. Like I found out like five years after I first started DJing that my grandfather was a DJ in Chicago. Then my father was a DJ as well. So it's just a I'm a third generation DJ, man. And just to have roots to Chicago, bro, is just meant for me to be in the house music. Absolutely. Yeah. Chicago, man. It's the birthplace after all. Um, that's hella cool, man. Your, your dad, he's a DJ. And you said you're, you're, who was, who was the DJ? Your grandfather? Yeah. My grandfather was a DJ in Chicago and my, wow. my grandmother didn't tell me until after I was already DJing. Wow. Do you, do you, do you know what sort of music he played in Chicago at the time or like? Um, I never got to meet him. He passed away before I was born, but I, I would guess probably like early funk or something like that. I'm not even sure. That must have been crazy, man. Yeah, man, Chicago just musically is so rich. Uh, you know, constantly evolving too. But um, so you're, you did you grow up in Memphis or did you like how 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 did the the New York City influence happen for you? Well, I was born and raised in Memphis, so I, I grew up a majority of my life in Memphis. And then I've moved around events uh, since then. I've even lived in Atlanta for three years as well before I got to New York. So I've, I've been in New York for the past five years, and I just feel like I'm at home. I've been in Brooklyn since I got here, and it, it's just a wonderful place, man. I've, I'm thoroughly immersed in the community here. 
Absolutely, man. Yeah, shout out, man. Uh, Brooklyn. There's so much. I mean, another incredible music city. Um, I really actually want to talk to you about the house music scene in New York City since you're so, so much of a part of it. Um, I was recently listening to um, a podcast by my friend DJ Lindsay, and she had a really great special about the house music scene and dance music scene in New York City uh, in the early and mid-90s, which really shone a light on kind of the beginnings of house and how house and hip-hop really shared a lot of like kind of similar foundations. And then she also talked a lot about how a lot of the dancers would, you know, they'll dance in, in the hip-hop circles and also the house music circles. And there's a, like a very shared, you know, heritage with, the, the music and the and the origins of both those genres um and being that you know you're a house music uh, producer but you also from what i know is uh you also do a lot of uh, some hip-hop production as well is that correct yeah i i pretty much started with hip-hop early on uh like the myspace days i had my myspace music page just making instrumentals and beats i was in a rap group early on and i feel like as i got older I'll say in college, I just started getting into dance music because, you know, college people come from different countries and across different states. and They just bring their different music styles that they like. And I just gravitated towards the genre early on. I've been producing house since I want to say 2015 now. Nice. Nice. Um, yeah. Shout out uh, MySpace, man. <laughs> that was a hell of a, an era. Um, um, I remember learning so much about music. We actually had a couple people on here talking about how they discovered a lot of their favorite artists through MySpace and how important of a place that was. It was almost like pre-SoundCloud uh, of a platform. Um, and yeah, it really, really connected a lot of us and exposed us to new sounds and new music and new artists, you know, in a time that was kind of uncertain, I guess, for the music industry. Um, and kind of, when you think about it, it was really like a blueprint for, for what SoundCloud has become and maybe Bandcamp and some other things. It's kind of crazy. That was the jump for me. Like I went from MySpace to SoundCloud and I had a lot of my remixes go viral. Um, a couple of them got on Selection Radio, which helped help build the brand a, a, a whole lot. Um, even my, I went to Brooklyn Mirage not too long ago. My like my remix was Joe K's second song he played uh, in front of five thousand people, which is like just a crazy full circle moment. But to answer, go back to your question with the dancers, man, I, I feel like there's a disconnect, and I actually know house dancers in New York City. Uh, they don't they're not really in the parties anymore like the parties don't really suit them and they do want to come back to those parties and you know actually you know cut up and do their thing but they really just go to the they have these sessions where they just you know practice and dance and they'll have a dj come to, to those events which are earlier in the evening and they'll dance there um even my my friend her father seku who's one of the original new york city house dancers you know like I've, I've been talking to him. I want I want to get him in a video, you know, so I'm definitely tapped in. Even um, my second single, I dropped Station 5. We just finished the music video for it. And I have two house dancers in the video. So I think that video, it should drop next week. So stay tuned for that. Oh, amazing. That is awesome. And I think Seiko was even mentioned in this podcast by DJ Lindsay. And if you're if you're interested, if you're watching and or you're listening and you're interested in checking out that podcast, I highly recommend it. You can listen to it. Uh, on Mixcloud, it's the called Black is Black by DJ Lindsay, and man, I, I just learned the most incredible stuff. It's so well done. There's always good music, and uh, you know, music that's not necessarily new, but it's new to me. You know, especially like early house, like a lot of the the New York stuff too. You know, obviously Chicago is a very important part, but New York had its own kind of vibe. You know, and it was in a lot of ways 
uh, when I think about it, maybe I'm wrong here, but there's like a really a, a, a strong hip hop influence in the style of house music that comes from New York. There's almost like a kind of a blending between those things, which I find really, really, really fascinating, especially because I love much like yourself kind of came up with like with hip hop and have a really massive uh, appreciation for hip hop music and house music almost equally. Well, that was the scene back in the day. Like those guys would go spin a house set and spin a hip hop set. It wasn't really looked down upon. Like uh, a couple of my OGs, they were like, yo, they used to play hip hop records and house records in the same party. You don't really get that in New York City now. Everything's segregated in terms of the genres. You know, yeah. you have your, your tech house scene, you have your techno scene. They People go to those parties because they only want to hear that music and same for the hip hop parties. They don't want to hear house in those parties outside of that one Beyonce record, you know, so. <laughs> but it, it, it sucks. That's why I have to have two separate parties. I have my jumping thumping party for a house. And then I have all my other R&B parties, R&B night, hip hop night, you know, every everybody just wants that one pocket of music, you know, and like us as DJs, we love everything and we want to share everything with everybody. But people are just everything's dumbed down now it's a social media era people's attention spans are lower it's it, it sucks but like K kenny dope new york legend has house yeah. records he has gospel records he has hip-hop records you know absolutely that's the kind of the go-to guy i think about a lot uh as somebody even jeff you know jazzy jeff is somebody who plays house music and mm -hmm. you know this is, i mean there's actually a bunch of djs k Tronada, you know and people that produce music that's almost on this like kind of middle ground or you know, it, it's it's both house music and hip hop, and it takes the strengths from both, and that's right in my lane. But I want to just go back, rewind a second. That's super dope to hear. Um, to to hear your song was played by Joe K in front of five thousand people. That must have been quite a great feeling, hey? I mean, I was there. Like, I I, I didn't know he was gonna like throw it on, so it was definitely crazy, man. But I'm working toward towards where i'm on that same stage and i'm playing my record in front of those same five thousand people at brooklyn mirage man that's that's on my bucket list i mean it sounds like you're on the way man and it's also really great to hear how you've, inc you've included the dancers in the videos i feel like that's a great uh, way to homage and and play tribute to those that scene you know um and hopefully inspire those those people to come to your parties because um, yeah you throw you, you said you throw jump and thump in which is the house music party that you throw is that every, how how frequently is that is that every month or every week I would want it to be every month, man, but it, it's hard, bro. Like that that's something I wanted to touch on. Like just being black in New York City trying to do house, man, it's hard to get these venues. Mm. It's or or these these promoters, they just don't see you. They only pull from one specific scene in the house community. Yes, there are some black people spending house out here, but it's only a token few, man. It's and it's way more people that are into the genre, but it it's hard. And it's black music, which makes it even harder, man. So uh, I will I would want to throw it twice a month if i could but you know you have to get in get in where you fit in you can't just throw a house party at any venue the venue has to have a proper sound system a danley uh uh function one system like it has to it has to hit because it there's certain underground house fans they have to hear things like sonically you know like i have special earplugs i got from a, a audiologist with filters so i won't damage my hearing when i'm spinning uh, at house parties, but I can still hear the the quality of the music at a lower decibel. You know, yeah, I got those same ear, I got those same earplugs, man. I, I'm I'm really I got to protect those ears. But man, that's valuable perspective, man. I did not know that was the situation in New York. Um, and it's has it tough, man? I hate it. I I battle every day. Like so many venues tell you no with no context at all, and you're literally I'm 
one of the most popular DJs in the city. Like I did 900 people at Brooklyn Bowl this this summer. Like wow. my own party, no team, nothing, just my own promotion. So, but I don't I don't know if they they see I do hip hop. They don't think I'm authentic. I, I don't know. I'm not in those cliques. Uh, you know, I'm a little bit older, so I I'm not into the you know the politics of the industry, man. And it sucks, but I mean, I do have this amazing music that I could put out and. You know, I could look at my Shazams and see that people in Spain, uh, you know, Canada. Berlin are <laughs> Canada playing my music. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, I respect it so much. So it's, it's, it's ways around it. And I, I look at like America's behind the house anyway. You know, Europe is the it's like the place for it right now. And it, it sucks to say that because we created the movement. But, you know, I'm more concerned about going overseas and coming back hitting America last because I'm not going to I'm not going to do the politics game man it's just not for me that's really uh really sad to hear though and and you know obviously I, I'm, I'm here in LA right now and I don't live in New York and I haven't spent a lot of time there either but that's really sad to hear that it's you know such a such a part of the history of that city that it's been I guess gentrified is probably the only real correct way and and do you think as it got as did the pandemic affect that or was it already kind of like that and that going in that it's, direction it's, all, it's always been like that man it's just if you're not a part of this certain clique then it's just not a way or like certain venues just it's certain venues that don't book black parties man that's mm. just but it's been like that even since the hip-hop era you know with the hip-hop police shutting down certain parties and venues concerts is with any genre with black people coming out in large numbers there's just always going to be a a certain stigma you know I mean, to be honest, my experience with that, even in Vancouver, um, is is very similar. And you know, as a white person in that scene, I played hip hop and promoted hip hop nights, and yeah, it was very much the same message as like certain clubs just didn't want you to play hip hop music, right? They didn't want you to have a hip hop night because they didn't want the crowd or however they wanted to spin it. Mm -hmm. um, that's definitely it. Feels like in a lot of ways, the club industry or the, you know the nightlife industry is. Uh, yeah, very segregated and almost uh, behind the times, um, and they are. There's no real. Um, I don't know how to to say it, but it, it, there's no real like authority to get that in line, right? It's there's no way to correct it. There needs to be a nightlife coalition, man. It just helps people promoters of color, like I. And there are certain black people that spend in those spaces, but they're only putting their friends on. They're not going to grab. Hey, Mike Nasty's over there doing something dope and positive for the community, and he's talented. Let's go do our research and and pull him in. They're, they're not going to do that. They just they keep it within their own circles, man. And that that's the problem right there. But I mean, it starts at ownership. Like if mm -hmm. we had if we had these legendary black house DJs coming back, opening venues in New York, you know, and but looking for black people to program in those venues, man, that could change. That could be the start, you know, and that's yeah. my goal. I want to own a venue one day, you know? Oh, amazing. So right now you're putting on events though. That's your focus. And, and the end goal is to have a venue so you can put on the events and, and help support the community. But let's talk about your event. You're doing jump and thump in. This is a, a house night. Uh, and you're saying you're doing it um, when you can, when you have the venue. So you were looking at a venue today. But can you tell me about um, like how you got to the start of starting that night, uh, jumping, thumping? Like, what was the the moment where you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to do it. 
Well, the the party used to be called nights like this. Like, uh, I feel like I've been doing this party probably since like 2018 or 19. Uh, it started as nights like this, but of course somebody else stole the name, and <laughs> I was like, all right, I'm just I'm off it. I'm creative. I'll just come up with another name. So I rebrand everything. Thank God the the pandemic was tragic, but I was able to just be super creative and come up with new concepts, uh, you know, in the downtime of not not being able to work. So came up with Jumpin' Thumpin'. It's actually uh, the name of an old Todd Terry song. Uh, shout out to him. New York house legend. Oh, gee. Yeah, man. Yeah. And the, the name just worked and it just started catching like wildfire, man. And I would just bounce around from venue to venue, making it work. And I was seeing black people come out that are into house music, you know, and which is a rare thing because you go to these venues, there's not many black people there. So, you know, my I feel like my party is one of the most diverse parties in New York City. Asian people, Indian people, black people, like you name it. You could go to the Instagram right now and see all different people, shapes and sizes, races, creeds, religions, all that. So, you know, that's my thing, man. I. I like all inclusive spaces, man. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, I mean, starting that, starting that night, you know, I mean, there's obviously challenges starting anything. Uh, does it start small? Or like, how did it grow? Like, was it a, was it right away a success? Or like, I mean, you've obviously thrown parties or played other parties. Um, how how was it taking like kind of ownership of that party and 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 committing to it in that way? Uh, man, the first party, I think it was the. The summer parties came back after the pandemic. Literally, the first one, four hundred plus people oh, out wow. the gate. Because I, I had so many fans from my hip hop parties, and they're like, "Oh, we like house music too." And they they came out to my house stuff. You know, people's ears are more diverse. You know, like that's why these festival lineups. Uh, you can see the Killers and see Kodak Black, and then you can see Carrie Chandler or somebody. You know, like every people love everything now. You know, it's very true. Yeah, it's very true. Um, and in fact, we I can't remember who we were having on here recently. Maybe it was Dan Charnas. We were talking about how Carrie Chandler has a whole hip-hop project. It almost it almost comes up every time we're talking about house music. And people are like, wow, Carrie Chandler has like a hip-hop, like real hip-hop stuff as well. It's like, yeah, I think... He, he started as a hip-hop producer. Like a lot of people don't know that. Yeah. You know? <laughs> and people in the house world, they're like, they look at hip-hop as like, I don't know this bad thing from my experience. Like I've had older DJs tell me, yo, you know, you're going to have to stop doing hip hop eventually if you're in the house. I'm like, why not? It's all music. It's all black music. Like, who yep. are you guys to tell me? But like, I've had people that tried to manage me. They're like, you know, you're going to have to stop doing those hip hop parties. I'm like, for what? It's making money. Well, let's, let's talk about that in a little bit more detail because, um, you know, uh, like you were saying, you know, you were, you were into hip hop as well. Um, when did you kind of decide that you wanted to really focus on, you know, making house music and, and making, is, is that like, was that a conscious decision to become, that was going to be your identity or do you, st how do you balance that? You know, with the, obviously you love it, all sorts of music. Well, I'll say early on when I started making house music in 2015, I was just, you know, in that SoundCloud era that like all the producers on SoundCloud just make every genre. Like, <laughs> yeah. You can go on the page, like you can go on my SoundCloud and just there's anything you want from Jersey Club to, I, I don't know, booty bass, whatever you want to call it. I got boom bap remixes, all of that stuff. So that was just remix culture at the time. But I would say once I moved to New York from Atlanta, 
and I actually got to go to like legit house clubs, like Output when it was open, and going to Laban and just all these different house venues. Because like in in Tennessee, there there aren't any house venues. I don't, mm. I can't, I can't name one. So I I got up here, and I'm like, yo, this is the real deal. I really want to do this stuff. And I knew that the DJs in house music were the the richest DJs. <laughs> they get on all the festivals. And they literally travel the world year round. I'm like, this is it. I don't know hip hop DJs that travel the world like as much as house DJs, you know? And I'm like, I I could consider myself like an artist if I produce house music. Cause in hip hop, I'm just a producer, you know? It's a very if good I point. House, I could be the artist. I get booked on the festivals. Cause I used to do tour DJing. I DJ for Travis Porter. I did Quentin Miller's first tour. Um, I did a couple tour dates with Waka Flocka, Lil Pump. Like I've been on many different hip hop tours, and I'm like, "Yo, this isn't fun." <laughs> I'm I'm doing a 15 minute set for this guy. He's gonna do a 45 minute set. The artists don't really care about you like that, you know. It's cool to put on social media at the time, but I, I see a lot of DJs get stuck in, in that tour DJ box, and then they're like, "Oh, now I could DJ because I'm and." Uh, not DJing. Now I could produce for this artist because I'm in their camp, but that's not that's not legit. Like you know what I'm saying? I'm not gonna fight to get. I hate fighting to get placements. That was another thing. I've been in so many different labels. I met so many A and R's. Like some of the top A and R's have meetings with them. You send them packs of beats for their artists. I think we might have just lost you for a bit there. Nothing gets placed. There we go. You're back. Sorry, man. You're waiting for... You hear me? Yep. Yep. Sorry to interrupt. Yep. We got you. Oh, good. Um, but yeah, man, I just... I got tired of chasing placements too, man. I was I was chasing placements for like seven, eight years, bro, of just producing trap music and boom bat whatever you want to call it so i was like yo i could just be my own artist i don't need to chase placements i can literally fumble around the keys myself and make a good track with minimal vocals i don't need an artist i don't need an artist to put out music like deep house half of deep house is just instrumentals you know absolutely <laughs> it's actually really uh refreshing to hearing you say that because i think uh as a producer myself it's something i think about a lot too and i i don't want to I love working with artists, but like you said, it's there's a nice feeling of having kind of control over you and your image and the music that you want to make. Um, and obviously working with another artist is always going to be a compromise or a sacrifice. But if you're making house music, you can kind of like, yeah, you can kind of just do you. Um, and that there's obviously a certain freedom with that. Um, I'd really like to actually play one of your songs right now, if you don't mind, because I think it would really illustrate exactly what you're talking about and it's a song you recently put out called get up um i've been playing it i really love it i, I find it's like a really it's a beautiful kind of like uh it's, it's minimalistic but it's also got every every element is this is the perfect amount and it really um is true to the sound of the house music that i love and i think a lot of people do too so if you don't mind i'm just going to pull up uh, get up uh, by mike nasty for everyone just to have a, a, cl a quick snippet of so you know what i'm talking about Check it out. Uh, 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 
this bass line, man. Now, I can't play too much more just uh, out of respect for, uh, you know, copyright stuff. But the second part of that song, actually, I want to oh, hold on. I'm going I'm to skip ahead. I want to play the B section of the song because it's, oh, man, it's so good. Um, you got the change up. I just love how that comes back, um, you know, into the song. It's it's a yeah, it's just a really perfect production, man. Um, big up, thank you, and congratulations. Um, if you don't mind, I'm just gonna quickly give a quick shout out. We got a, a bunch of people just came in to to the chat. I want to shout out the Good Music Twitch family: Yanala, Master Lee, DJ Amber, Arlo, Burnt CDs, Special Says, That Go Aris, DJ Low Key, Club Cell Culture, Big Rob Two Hundred Six. Man, we got a, we got a bunch of people. Manila Ice is here. Um, and we got DJ Gons in here as well. Um, thank you, everyone who's tuned in right now. We're, we're, we're rocking with. Uh, oh, we got DJ Ken Dollars in here too. Yo, shout out Ken Dollars. We got. Um, what up, Ken? We got DJ Loco in here. Uh, Stevie Pre. Yeah, we got a bunch of really cool people in here. Um, thank you so much for joining us. We're hanging out here with Mike Nasty, um, and we're just bumping his song "Get Up." Uh, yeah, like I was saying, man, that's a an old, a real bop, man, and it um, it's really cool. Like it's. The way you've, you've you structured, you got these two these, the A section and the B section, and it's just it's a it's just the perfect amount of change that you know that you love to hear in a house song, man. So, tell, just tell Thank me about you. how you made that song, man. I'd, I'd love to know a bit more about that, bro. I made it's crazy. I didn't even go to the studio. I made the entire album, I think, in two and a half weeks, two to three weeks. <laughs> what? Which is crazy. It's crazy, bro. Um, I just got it in a good pocket, like I. When I create a project, I take like a three, four month break and I just listen to music and then I come back and see what, what I got. So my first EP, the active EP that I dropped in April, that was already done for like two years, that entire project. I was just waiting to the right. Like I was waiting for like a label situation. Like I was talking with different, you know, house labels, but, you know, they either want you to get they want to take one record and switch it up and you don't like what they want to do with it. So I finally decided to just start my own label. And right after that time period, I started I started working on music. I think I made this project in February and Get Up was the first record. But the original name for it was New Beginnings because that's when I felt like I finally found my sound. Ah. 
So it was it's originally called New Beginnings. It's still called New Beginnings. When I play in uh record box, when I go to house clubs and bring my USBs, like it says New Beginnings, man, because I, I the the first single from my active EP breakthrough, I I named it breakthrough because I hit my my breakthrough moment. That's when I, I thought I found my sound, but get up was when I really found my sound of like super deep house and it just after that bro the records just kept rolling and i I made it literally in like two to three weeks man that's fantastic here man that must feel so amazing to have got like you said a breakthrough and have that new beginning and just have that direction of like under of like i guess trusting yourself right was it kind of a moment where you kind of had this you got a, a, a sense of confidence like okay this is it i got it i'm gonna keep going down this path and see how it goes i think it started with the chords um so I just I messed around and got into some jazz chords and I started using like these rolling vintage like 90s house like key sounds these these pads and things just started clicking and then when I I didn't even finish the record but I immediately got on IG live and I just started playing it and people were just like this is real house like this is fire this reminds me of the 90s and I was like I found my sound. That's amazing, man. Yeah, I mean, it's a, a fantastic sound too. And um, not only have you you put out this record, but you you said earlier you're, you know you're working on getting placements with artists, but you recently uh, helped produce another one of the big songs this summer, at least, at least this year, uh, to me uh, with with the artist Lion Babe. Um, you did the song Harder, right? You produced that. Yes. Uh, so uh, go ahead. I co-produced co-produced that with Astro Raw, uh, who's a part of Lion Babe. Um, that record is crazy, bro. Uh, we've been working on music, I want to say, for the past three three years, I think. Just like in secret, uh, I would go to the studio because they're just getting in the house more and more. Um, so we've just been making house records, just house beats, just me and me and Astro and. Uh, their manager hit me up. I want to say this was right before the pandemic hit. And he was like, yo, I didn't know you produced, but this is fire. Uh, how do you feel like, how do you feel about Busta Rhymes getting on that record? I'm like, Busta Rhymes? It's like, what? Yeah. Like, I'm not going to say no. <laughs> so I, I didn't hear from them for like months. And then the fall hit and they were like, the song was on getting picked up by NBA 2K on the soundtrack. Oh, hell but yeah. the song, but the song wasn't coming out to the next year. And I was like, what? Like, so everybody's on the internet, like, yo, this is the best song on NBA 2K. I can't find it. Like, why is this not out? People were ripping it from the game and putting oh, wow. it on YouTube. And then the record finally came out in February. You know, like when it's your face, first big placement with like a legendary rapper like Busta Rhymes, in a like a super dope group lion babe you're like you have to see it to come out to believe that it's really just going to come out you know <laughs> i guess so yeah. i waited on that record i waited for over a year for that record to come out bro wow probably almost two years so i'm just like it when it finally came out though it was it's it was lit i think spotify has it it's number one on their video video game songs like out of all video games it's number one Oh man! Like, yeah, hey, we gotta play that song just for a second, in case you guys don't know it. Um, 
this pull up harder uh, by Lion Babe featuring Bust Rhymes, produced by DJ Mike Nasty. So we'll just give you a taste, but man, that Bust Rhymes verse when it kicks in, oh my gosh. Crazy. <laughs> Crazy. How did it feel the, hearing that for the, the first time? That's the only house record Busta has ever been on. True. Wow. Busta's, bro, history. It, it it felt good, man, especially like Busta's from New York. Um, I don't know if like people can tell but there's a lot of jazz elements like uh percussion wise a lot of jazz riffs in there that was just be adding that sauce man just being influenced by that sound bro but uh it felt good when the record came out but right after i was already promoting my first single for my ep <laughs> so it was just like you know i couldn't <laughs> i couldn't you know marvel in the moment for too long but yeah man it, it's a good feeling the record has over a million uh streams on spotify i haven't even like announced that but it's just crazy to to hit that milestone it's dope man yeah man i mean it's cool too and it's really cool hearing you talk about the jazz influence um because obviously like as a fan of line babe uh their previous song rockets obviously has a lot of jazz influence in it too so it's a really nice mm -hmm. continuation but a completely different sound but still you know kind of what's the word i'm looking for it's kind of like uh cohesive and um and you know, obviously, house music is so much influenced by jazz. I was just, I was reading up about Lil Louis the other day, and it talked about how he was he was a you know uh, his dad was a jazz musician and 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 how he he was a jazz you know piano player or something like that or drummer jazz drummer, and it talked a lot. And you know, I think about like I I study jazz a little bit myself, and it, and what I love about house music as I've got a little bit older is I'm really understanding how much of that jazz like lineage really is part of the house music uh, legacy, you know and even just down to like simple things like understanding what swing is you know as someone who makes beats uh, you know making hip-hop mm -hmm. beats I, I didn't really use a lot of swing in my beats you know i mean obviously i love dilla but the house music you know if you don't i remember kenny dope told me actually he was like yo you mm -hmm. guys gotta crank that swing you know you want to you want to make house music you really gotta crank that swing bro know? i put swing on my master like on everything I swing <laughs> right? everything like 40 to 60 percent bro it gives it that bounce though, right? It's just really, mm -hmm. it, it's really the, the key ingredient. But, you know, if you don't know music theory, swing is jazz. Like that is jazz. That is, the, mm -hmm. I think if you're, I mean, obviously, you know, improvisation is, is jazz too, but rhythmically speaking, swing is, is the thing that defines what jazz is. I think that's fair to say. Uh, but Absolutely. the fact that it, it it's such an important part of, you know, music, New Jack Swing, obviously, but, you know, it's in hip hop, it's in in-house music. And once you know about it, you know what it is, it's like, you you kind of can't unhear it, um, but yeah, it's really great to hear that, and it's really great to hear your story about Harder uh, with Busta Rhymes and Lion Babe. They did a great job um, 
you know, they did a really great job how they rolled that single out, man. Um, and I don't, I'm, I'm curious to know how much of an influence you were on that because they, they got the dub, they got an instrumental, and they also got fire remixers from the homies. And that I was, was like, me. that was you? Okay. Thank you, Mike. I told them. Because we were, we were uh, getting some, we were working with some promo teams like in the house world. And I was just like, yo, we got to have different versions of this because I'm, I'm like, it's too many vocals to play in like a legit house party. They're just not going to, they're not going to play the original version. So we need, we need these versions. And the dub is a. Yeah, man. Dude, it's, it's so lovely that, you know, you were able to give them that perspective because it feels like uh, often record labels or, or artists just don't think about the DJs like that. And, um, you know, man, like seeing the homies have remixes on there too. And I know that they did it with, uh, with Rockets. I remember MoMA had a remix on there too. So it, it feels like mm -hmm. they, they, they really, they understand the culture and that's really, that's only going to get you more, more plays right at the end of the day. Absolutely. So, yeah. Um, artists, if you're listening, record labels, if you're listening, please give us instrumentals, dubs, and acapellas, and and all that good stuff. And let us remix stuff because it's it's actually really cool. I know uh, we talked a little bit about Beyonce earlier, and this kind of you know uh, that's the one song that everyone knows, that "Break My Soul." But how do you feel about her putting out the acapella like that? I mean, I think it's it's I I find I think obviously a lot of people are remixing it, but I think that's really cool that she kind of did that, right? I think it's cool because um, people, the SoundCloud community was already going to remix it regardless. There's so many uh, websites or softwares to like rip audio, like even though it's not the best quality. But I mean, she's smart. I don't know who's who's behind this whole house mo dance music with her, movement with her, but like it's working. Like even to get like Terry Hunter remix and stuff is just like it's yeah. phenomenal. Like they really they they went to the underground with it. Yeah, shout out Terry Hunter, man. It's uh, Playlist Retreat alumni. I uh, want to give a big shout out to Chicago's own Terry Hunter. It's uh, it's really cool to see. Yeah, like you said, it's it's authentic to the culture too, which is which does obviously a lot for for DJs. You know, we, we like that stuff. Um, they need to bring back remix culture, really, bro. Like I remember growing up, they had the the So So Def remix, the Bad Boy remix, like. Timbaland would do remixes to stuff like old B-side Destiny Child records that like were remix everything. Like there's there's like three four different versions of Say My Name. Yeah. You know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agree, man. And it's it's cool though. Like even what people are doing these days with you know whatever websites they're using to you know stem out things or get acapellas make their own. Um, it's really cool, actually. I know on the Lion Bay remix, I saw uh, Ian Wallace and Nick Bike got a remix on there too. Shout out them and shout out Nick because he does a lot of good work like that where he's kind of making tools for DJs um, for us to be able to like really mess with music because obviously sometimes those tools aren't made available to us anymore. Um, and it's, yeah, it's really, really helpful because it's, it's great to see people just taking the initiative and doing that, right? Like however you can. Exactly. Um, but yeah, um, what were you talking about? Let's talk about New York City. Um, you know, you moved to New York City. Can you speak on like how it kind of influenced you as a as not only like a DJ and musician, but as a person? Um, how 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 is I it? Like, like, go sorry, go ahead. I feel like New York. I have a I have a business degree, and I didn't really utilize it much after college because I just didn't go get a job. I just wanted to DJ, but. I feel like New York made me apply that, like just being 
savvy in so many ways of just promoting parties. Like that's when I really became like a nightlife promoter, not just a DJ. Cause I'm like, nobody's going to book you really. Or like, even if they do book you, they're not going to pay you what you want. And with New York also being a tourist location, I can throw parties every weekend and I'm not pulling from the same crowd every time, you know? And then you're, you're, you're learning about Instagram and Facebook ads more. And you're actually uh, incorporating that um, you're building your email list of thousands of emails. You know what I'm saying? Like New York, I feel like Atlanta, it's like, you just want to be a cool, dope, turntablist kind of dj like that was the the culture down there you know but up here djs have businesses like they're djs that own sunglass companies djs that own juice bars like you know what i'm saying i started a tea company during the pandemic but i, I no longer can do it because i'm so busy you know like this is entrepreneurship like capital like that's so cool though man like i think it's really interesting to hear you say that um I do think that that's such a, it's such a necessary part of a DJ career, right? It's it's not an easy gig. Um, I mean, I think you can get by pay, playing gigs and stuff, but really, if you want to like do what what you're saying, like elevate it, understanding business, understanding how to throw your own events, and so that's the only way to kind of really like level up, right? Would you say? You have to throw your own events in 2022. You have to. There's no other way. That's really valuable uh, insight, man. I think that uh, it's something, you know. It's not obviously as easy and it's more risky, right? Like you're on the hook a lot of the time for mm -hmm. for everything, but obviously the reward is uh, is better when when it works out, uh, you know. Um, yeah, these, these promoters don't do work anyways. Like <laughs> half of the half of the DJs bring the the crowd from their name being on a flyer, so it's like why not just take their job, you know? Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. And you also will understand the nuance of who to book and and how to make a night flow because as a DJ. You're already mm -hmm. thinking like that when you're making your set, right? So you can kind of like curate the night in a in a more musical way that will ultimately may not be as obvious to an audience, but probably more on a yeah, more like on a subconscious level, they'll just appreciate that that energy throughout the night better, right? Yeah, it's like a sandwich. Like there are DJs that are like I tell them like you're my best closer. Like I need you to go from two AM to four then they're like great openers where like they know not to burn the middle DJs of the party. So that's the bread. You have the lettuce, the cheese, the meat. Like you have to, like, it, it's crazy. Like if you book a party with five DJs, like you have to be very strategic. It's a really good point. Yeah. Do you, actually, what is your thoughts on that? You know, like, is there, a, do you feel like there's a limit to how many DJs you should have on a, on a, on a lineup? Like how long do you want to play on a set? You know, like, do you, I mean, I, I saw Kid Capri talking about that on, I think he was on like the Matt Hoffa show or something saying like there shouldn't be more than, I think he said what, two to three DJs on the lineup or something. Okay. I mean, I feel like if DJs are friends and kind of spin together and are familiar with each other, like there's a way to do five DJs right, four to five DJs right. And, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a promo tactic as well, mm -hmm. but if a lot of those DJs come later in the night, they don't really know what was played. So I personally, I like having three DJs, including myself. So I'll throw the party and I'll DJ my own party. So it'll be the first guy opens a couple hours. I get on, I probably do. I don't like spending. Well, let me say this for hip hop. I only like spending one to two hours. That's it. 
I've been DJing 15 years, bro. I've, I'm burnt out on hip hop. And people want to hear the same records on the radio or this new Bad Bunny song that I don't like. I just don't want to play that stuff. So, but in house music, people want to come hear like the palette I put together of music. So, like, it's, it's everything I want to play or it's stuff that I produce, you know? Like, it's harder to break records now in hip hop. It's not really, it's not really. I don't know. It's harder for DJs. Like you got TikTok now and Instagram breaking records and labels, you know, um, people don't really listen to mixtapes anymore like that. Um, that's why in house, man, out two, three, four hours, if I can, you know, if the opportunity comes, you know, but I'm having fun. I'm, you know, I, I do way more preparation for house music. Like I, if I have a party, I'm preparing the week before. Oh, wow. Hip hop. Hip hop, I don't have to like. I know what the crowd wants to hear. It's the same records, you know. You might add a new Drake record or something every now and then, but you're literally gonna pull from the same what two, three hundred songs each week. But house, I'm buying music on track source, you know. I'm in Reddit forums, digging in Reddit, like seeing what the the new underground stuff is. You know what I'm saying? Wow. I'm on Apple Music doing the like if you. I'll play a song on Apple Music that I find, and then I'll go create station off of this record. And that oh, wow. usually gets me a lot of dope stuff that I never would find. You know, there's there's a lot of avenues to like finesse good, good, deep house music. But yeah, bro, I love digging. It's like I'm digging for, you know, vinyl, but it's the new age version of that. And there are guys that still dig for vinyl. That's just not my thing right now. Maybe when I get older, I'll do it. And I'm a scratch DJ, you know? Right. Orbit, trans, transform, all that. I could do all that, but <laughs> I have te techniques in my living room. I got a whole bag of 45s, but that's not really, I'm about being efficient because now Mike Nasty is Mike Nasty LLC. So I'm running a business. So I might get off my set and then I have to run to the door to see what's going on and, you know, check on this person. And like I hire teams, I hire DJs, you know, I'm, I'm selling people money. Like every aspect of my business, I have to run because I don't have a team. Wow. So staying busy, man. It's really cool, though, to hear you just the, that perspective about house music and hip hop. Um, and I can I can I really relate to that, you know, uh, I, as someone who likes both those things. I do. I do agree. Um, I feel like almost like house music audiences are maybe slightly more open to hearing new things. And it's really great to hear mm -hmm. you say that they're also really open to hearing your music, your productions. And I mean, I think that's I mean, I think that's such a, a wonderful thing, you know, to be able to make music and then play that music to the party that you've cre created. Like it's a, it's like a, I guess in like retail they call it vertical integration, but you know, it's kind of like this whole. Uh, you've got the whole package, you know. You're 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 setting a vibe. You're determining what what to expect, and then you're also like helping create the sound of that by producing the records that you're playing. It's like a full circle approach, right? And I'm even more of a nerd about it because I will make a record, send it off to one of my uh, mastering guys, get it mixed and mastered, get it back and play it that weekend. And I'm trying to see, oh, is the kick hitting hard enough? Like, cause I have two guys I use for mastering. They're both in Europe and they both mix master and analog. So I'm already trying to hear like a specific warmth over my music. Like, and I, I, I can only test that on a real system, you know? Yep. I love that, man. That's a real dedication to the, the, the you know, the craft. DJ Amber uh, in the chat, he says, uh, you know, the pool of house music is almost endless. And yeah, it, it, it's yeah. it's forever growing too, right? Um, 
And also, I think it was cool here, Loki mentioned that throwing my own parties is, is the best thing I've ever done as a DJ. And um, I really think, uh, you know, if there's one thing, I, I really agree with that. I really, that's one of the things I was really excited to talk to you about, actually, Mike, was just like hearing about your experience throwing parties. And, and I mean, I know Loki throws a really great party um, uh, called Goodness in, in Denver. And, and, you know, I've done my parties in, in uh, Vancouver, and the when you get it right, you know you can really ride that party for a long time. Like, I, for example, the night that I threw in Vancouver we went for ten years. You know, we did the same wow. Sunday for ten years. You know, and it was like really consistent. You know, and it was established at that point, and the whole city knew like this is the this is the night. This is where you go. This is what you expect, and that's how it is. And you know, occasionally you'd get the all you know the odd like kind of newcomer who didn't really understand the vibe, and they'll be like, "Can you play this song?" And you'd be like, "No." Nah, you're in the wrong place, man. And it's not even disrespect. Mm -hmm. It's just like, we're not going to change what we built for 10 years to play one song for you. You just got to go to the right. other, other venue, you know, no, no shade. And we're professionals. They, and they have to respect that. You know, we put in a lot of money, a lot of hours of bro. Like I remember meeting Chris Carnes probably like eight years ago, either eight or 10 years ago. And this was like when I was trying to learn scratching and stuff. I used to watch like the DJ Angelo tutorials on YouTube and stuff. Uh, DJ Shifty, when you have like the salsa videos. And I'm like, yo, how long does it take to learn a scratch? And he's like, I learn one scratch a year. Wow. It takes one entire year to learn a scratch. And I'm just like, we put in too much time to be good DJs for people to come to the, the booth and try to tell me to play a Bad Bunny song. Like, bro, get out of here. Come on. I feel bad for Bad Bunny, actually. He gets a lot of shade these days about that. But uh, yeah. And I love Bad Bunny, but there's, there's a place for everything. You know? yeah. like, no, it's just funny. Um, it, It's almost a daily thing where bad, but the Bad Bunny request comes up now. It's like a, it's a meme. It's a joke. Um, mm -hmm. But but yeah. Um. I also want to talk to you about yeah so you not only are you a promoter you're a record label owner so you've got nasty tracks you set that up yes um you're talking about a lot of the, the business things that you've done but i also know that you're i mean you can tell just by looking at you right now you're a sneakerhead <laughs> you got a bunch of the boxes <laughs> right behind you, you got the vapes and all that um and you're into fashion and i just want to talk about one thing especially um because every time i've been to new york and i know new york is like the the center of sneaker culture it's part of everyone's identity in new york and i always like when i come to see uh, to new york and i see all the cool sneakers and all the outfits people are wearing obviously you know new york the uptown the air force one is the the new york staple and obviously tim's but i also feel like jordans are a staple for new york is that is that fair i could agree with that yeah yeah are you a jordan fan i am a jordan fan okay i, I gotta know for a long time <laughs> what are your favorite jordans man I mean, it's typical, but I guess the Jordan one is my favorite silhouette. Um, but then you can have a favorite to actually play basketball in. So it might be the 11. Um, I've hooped in 12s as well. Like I'm a, I'm a big basketball guy, but uh, definitely the one. Um, probably the Jordan Chicago one. And I don't even own a pair, but I, I plan on getting it. I just don't want to spend like six, seven, or hundred bucks on one pair of sneakers, bro. Like, I feel you. Maybe get two of the sneakers, six hundred bucks. But yeah, 
<laughs> sneaker game yeah. is is no joke uh price wise for sure pairs of shoes have been babes oh yeah you're a you're big yeah. bait fan yeah i've always been a fan but you know as a kid you can't afford that stuff but now that i'm an adult and can you know do what i want i've just been buying baits like each month like a pair a month so i have one two three four five six seven eight i think i got eight pairs of baits now wow forgive me are they still making baits or are these like dead stock joints no they're still making baits they got they have really dope releases like i but i like it because i'm a guy i like wearing what other people aren't wearing and i don't see people wearing bait sneakers like that so i'm like i'm gonna wear bait absolutely man it was actually really cool um i don't know if you're uh on youtube there's a really cool uh not podcast there's a really cool channel called thread education and it was great uh for me as as a fan of of these things as well they did a really deep dive into pharrell's fashion uh world and they talked about you know nigo and and bape and and bbc and ice cream and all this like crossover and at the same time they're talking so much about pharrell's like music history and how um you know like the bape coming to the united states was like a really big moment that pharrell really was instrumental in bringing that to you know to new york Mm -hmm. you know and and um and you know obviously lacing all the homies and and wearing it it was it's really good if you if you if you want to check it out i highly recommend look at this bro Oh, you got the ice cream. Originals. Creams. <laughs> Originals. <laughs> wow. Like, I'm a sneaker head, bro. Like, these are from, I had these in high school. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, man. So, you, you so, shout yeah. Out to you, Pharrell. Yeah, shout out Pharrell, man. It really, uh, really, uh, such an important person for our generation, um, on so many levels, right? Absolutely. I, I feel like, Pharrell and Timbaland are my top two, like for Southern producers. Absolutely. Now, um, do you have any ambitions to get into fashion as well, or is that, uh, yeah? How do you feel about that? Um, I've thought about it. I'm currently ser- selling merch for my uh, my label right now, uh, Nasty Tracks NYC dot com. If you want to go cop a t shirt, but uh, I would. I've actually been wanting to collab with different brands. Like, um, I would love to collab with G Shock. I wear a lot of things that like people don't wear anymore. Like, got my oh, yeah. G Shock. I would love to collab with G Shock. Um, I know Nike doesn't work with just anybody, but you know, like a Jordan collab or like an Air Force Air Force One, like Memphis edition. I don't know. I think that would be dope. But you know, that'll come with time just have to speak into existence and manifest it yeah yeah you got to know what you want to get it absolutely um Mm -hmm. now speaking of collaborations though um you know production wise can we expect any collaborations from you or on the forthcoming album or otherwise uh with this being my debut album like i've dropped eps in the past but with this being the album i just want it to be like all me like i'm just taking the j cole route all j cole all mike nasty so uh no features on this one but uh i've already finished the next project actually oh well man you gotta you gotta work uh you got a workflow that i i envy like i'd love to have that um that catalog on, <laughs> I, on ice i like having one in the chamber bro you gotta have you gotta have that backup because 
you know, I'm trying to like I do have my own label, but I would still want to release with a major house label if the opportunity comes. So like I'll, I like having extra demos like in the chamber and like they're already like mix and master too. So wow. like I, I have to I have to sit with music for a while. So like it's been mix and master probably for three weeks now. The it's um I think it'll drop top of 2023. Uh, so I've just been riding around to it. Uh, I might call it journey to myth journey from memphis or something like that is like the placeholder name right now uh but until i get like real artwork like i'm really into art bro like if you look at all my like single artworks and the album artwork th those are from like actual illustrators or like graphic designers bro like every the taste level has to be so high with everything i put out I love that, man. It's definitely something I, I, I see. Like, I've been like crazy, sexy, dirty, had the crazy, the mouth, uh, mm -hmm. like, and yeah, and the get up art. Like, yeah, you, you definitely have a full aesthetic approach, which really helps as a fan, you know, like kind of identify you, uh, you know, with the music and, and, and gives you the whole, the whole package. Again, it's like that 360 kind of co concept. It's really cool, man. Um, and it but, doesn't really make sense like i don't have a specific story with, with the art it's just it's just me and what i like you know and the people i create with this is our like this is my thoughts and their talent on paper you know and just dope things come from it super dope man i, I really love it um now you were talking about uh not collaborating on this album but if you could collaborate with any artists dead or alive who would it be Right now, I would say Carrie Chandler for sure. Wow. Just him playing the key. Like, this man plays piano while he DJs, like, which is crazy. He's from Jersey, from the area. Like, and he just has that jazzy. I feel like out of all the house legends, his sound has been the most, like, consistent throughout his entire career. You know, like, you hear a, a Carrie record, like, you're like, this is a Carrie record. Like, it has this sound. And, I feel like a lot of the older guys, they've got into like newer sounds, which is cool. Um, I call it like Happy House, like the new, newer, like disco Happy House that's super popular right now, or like the super popular Tech House stuff that's just like a, that's its own pandemic right now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but Carrie, his sound is just so authentic and just soulful. And that's just, that's kind of where I'm going with it. Just trying to be in my own lane. I don't, I feel like nobody's really making music like me or I'm not really making music like anybody else. And, you know, one of my OGs heard my album, my, my last EP and he was like, yo, don't listen to nobody else. Keep doing what you're doing. Don't take influence from nobody else. So I'm just going to stick to that, but definitely Carrie Chandler, but like a, like an artist, artist, like a singer, for the longest, Jamie Foxx has been my favorite singer. Really? Like, yeah, I, I know it's so random, but like, I just grew up watching the Jamie Foxx show. He plays piano extremely well. I just feel like we would make dope stuff, and I think he's making he's making house house music now too. Um, oh wow! Some big house guy, I forgot his name. He's like super big in house. Has a record with Jamie Foxx, but it's like some mainstream stuff. Um, but yeah, Jamie Foxx, man. Super talented, yeah, man. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I honestly, I only have a couple of his records in in my Serato, but um, yeah, they go. And he is, like you said, great singer, great piano player. I really like what you said about Carrie Chandler, though, and I really think that that's um, 
I think that's like something that I, I definitely see in your music is kind of like this real commitment to a sound and that a sound that's going to not date, you know, like anytime soon, like you're not going to like feel a bit weird about it. It's like, it is a timeless kind of thing. And I think that's something, yeah, it's something obviously that Carrie committed to, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's a lot of nuance and it's kind of subtle. It's not over the top house music or it's not overproduced or, you know, it's, it's mm -hmm. just a very, yeah, very calculated and, and well thought out kind of approach to making music, right? Yeah. And I, I, I kind of want to, I'm trying to spoon feed people like what real deep house is. Cause like the definition of deep house music, if you go on YouTube right now, you will cry. It's, it's like, it's not deep house. Like, I don't know how they took what deep house was and gave us this mainstream crap. Like, I, I, I don't know, man, but like deep house came from like, them defining it as like very obscure deep jazz elements broken beat stuff like just just random you know b-side stuff you know yeah. but people just take people take names of stuff and just reclassify it and it just makes it ruins it for like i'll say people younger people of color that want to get into house music later in the game like it ruins their the way they learn because they'll type in deep house and get something that if that's not deep house you know yeah so it, it that's kind of my goal like as an artist to like just show people what it really is like but it's my new age deep house but still has the the elements of gospel jazz soul funk music you know yeah it's it's really something that is interesting and it has come up a couple times on, on this this podcast is just yeah like the the kind of disconnect that sometimes happens between what people think house music is and what what it what it actually is, you know, really without mincing words, um, you know, a lot of people really that maybe aren't real music fans just associate music with whiteness, and it's not that at all. It's it's black music, um, but and yeah, I, I hate that man. I know, right? It's, it, bl it's <laughs> black people saying that. I'm like, this is not white music. This is our music, you know, but there's always there's always crazy things happening in music historically like the the, the death of disco like the way right. they portray it that's not really what it was they weren't like it wasn't just because like oh rock and roll was coming and disco <laughs> soft it's like no like bro they really were trying to take away black music like disco was black music and they were just like when they went to that football stadium and brought all those records and destroyed them and burned them they were bringing not just disco records, but just black artist records as well. So yeah, I heard and, that, and it sucks, you know. But you know, we got house music off the back of, of disco, so you know. Yeah, it's crazy that I, I watched a really interesting documentary about yeah um, the death of disco, and it was really good. That I felt uh, I can't remember the documentary now, but it was really great because they talked to people that were from Chicago at the time, even some of the people that were working at the field that day that made and listened to house music and and sorry disco music. And they were talking about, yeah, they were bringing like Marvin Gaye records and, you know, mm -hmm. like records that were not disco music. It was really, it's very, very sad to, to, to learn that, you know, uh, it was, yeah, became more racially motivated than it really was about actual music and people not liking disco. It was a real confusion. And it's, it's very sad to hear about these things because it's like a, that's the general public don't understand that, um, you know, <laughs> It's it's not just um, I don't know how to, they, they, I guess they don't understand the nuance of it they don't understand the history of it like a lot of people don't know rock and roll is black music you know or, or things like that mm -hmm. it's like 
it, it it's actually quite sad to think how how that those things happen and and who's if people are intentionally doing things like that but but i feel like us as black people we have to preserve those genres as well i feel like the fact that we create all these dope genres of music we're just always ahead always future moving forward so it's like i grew up listening to what my parents listened to so i'm listening to the gap band earth wind and fire slave uh the commodores Izzy brothers all that music so when i grew up i still listen to that so i need to pass that down to the next generation mm. Versus just continually moving on. Because like, I could like trap music and still like the Isley Brothers. You know what I'm oh, saying? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. One of Biggie's biggest records is the Isley Brothers sample. You know, like, yeah. that's the, you have to, but we have to have these people at the top of the industry continually, you know, bringing old music to the forefront. That's why I'm not, people are mad at Beyonce. I love what Beyonce's doing. That's good to hear. That's a black, that's a black dance music album. Yeah. Yeah, I love it too, man. I know it's not for everybody, but I, I think it's fantastic. And even the other things that she touches on in that, like, are, it's really cool to hear her doing, like, you know, bounce music from New Orleans and in a cool, mm -hmm. you know, way. And it's it's hella cool, man. Um, now we have the City Girls. The, all of their music is yeah. bounce music. Saucy Santana, all, all that new stuff. Yeah. So everything comes back around, man. Even with Silk Sonic, they, like, they're. Isley Brothers right there, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. They're, that's the best thing in music right now in my honest opinion silk sonic yeah for sure okay okay and in new music today that is the best thing happening and i mean the musicianship on that is is next level too right like speaking of of jazz and and harmony and all that stuff those every mm -hmm. all those songs are incredibly well uh, played and it's crazy um <laughs> it's hella crazy like uh those two artists working together anderson pock and and bruno mars it's really fantastic uh just their backgrounds like their history like um i got a, a friend from hawaii who was telling me about how like bruno mars like played in in bands and covers bands he was like a michael jackson like he did these michael jackson things and mm -hmm. and he really understands that music in that way from a, like a, a musician understanding those songs inside out you know and Anderson mm -hmm. Pac, same deal. He's a drummer. You know, he played in bands, covers bands in California, and he's made music for a long time. They really did the hard yards, you know, and they were out there and playing in these bands, and now they're making modern classics, you know, based off of that understanding, that intimate understanding. It's it's hella cool. It's really kudos. It takes a village, man. Like all of those musicians, and I'm sure the songwriters that work with them, like they they do a phenomenal job. And it shows at the at the Grammys. They just wrap wrap up all the wars, like <laughs> yeah. But I guess the one thing I just want to, I'm curious to know though, um, I have heard some dialogue around like the Beyonce record and, and some people say, you know, like she's uh, co-opting, I guess. Do you feel that's the case or do you feel like she's expo like bringing awareness about music, especially black music to a more mainstream uh, kind of culture? I think everything Beyonce does is intentional with helping the black culture, even like how her whole tour was the homecoming tour and she's highlighting black HBCU like schools and their culture with the marching bands and all these things that a lot of mainstream people wouldn't see unless they lived in black communities. Like she always brings like taking New Orleans bounce culture and bringing it in her music, Big Frida and people like that. You know what I'm saying? Even with this new project, like Grace Jones influence and just all these, all these different avenues like that music had, her album has so many different types of music on, on on one project, but it's just all black dance music. Only thing 
I don't, there might not be a techno record, but there's probably a record that's influenced by techno on the, on the project. You know, if I go back and listen again, so. Yeah, and it's, I, I really love that, sh like someone said in the chat here about Big Freedia, you know, like, uh, glad to see Big Freedia getting attention, and I feel like she's amplifying those people, those voices, those people that have started uh, being important uh, pillars of those scenes in those communities, and making sure that they get the notoriety and recognition that they deserve whilst being put on our Beyonce record, right? Like, I guess that's the right yes. way to do it. Bro, I was just playing the new Saints Row game. I think it's uh, like a Dylan Francis song on there that has Big Frida singing all over the, the song, like rapping over it. That's cool. I'm like, Dylan Francis and Big Frida, like that doesn't even make <laughs> sense. But but that that could be the, the gentrification of black music. You know, that's an example of it. Like it has to be authentic if you're going to do it. But mm. I know I know Big Frida's getting the bag though. So, you know, get your money. Yeah, yeah. Um, now, uh, I really appreciate your time today, Mike, and I've got a question that we ask everybody that comes on the show, and I really want to know, uh, what does the power of music mean to you? Wow, that's a tough question. I'll put it in perspective of like a DJ, and I tell my friends this all the time, like, we have the power to literally change somebody's mood. They can have, work a, a, a terrible job. 40, 50 hours a week. And when they get to Saturday night, they know, they know they're going to a Mike Nasty party in Brooklyn at Lot 45 in Bushwick and all their troubles and pains just go away. Or how my fraternity brother met the love of his life at one of my parties, you know? Like the, the power of music, bro. Like I'll say the power of just nightlife and parties in general, bro. Like it just brings people together. Like whether it's love, or it's therapeutic to people just like, bro, I lost my grandmother and my, my aunt like the end of last year. And I just started making the best music ever after that, that time period. Like, but that's my form of therapy, bro. I love going to the studio. It's like going to the spa. I make the best music in the studio, bro. It's healing, hey? Exactly, bro. Even sonically, like if I listen to a classical music song, or a jazz song is just something with the harmonics is just make me feel a certain way. You know that warm feeling in your chest, bro? Like when you hear a song or like you <laughs> yeah. just feel like a like a tear is going to come. Like my, my parents got married to Stevie Wonder's Ribbon in the Sky. That's their, their wedding song. That's one of the most beautiful songs ever, bro. And it just strikes a, an emotion in people. Yeah, I I hope that everyone can relate to that because that I, that feeling is is really magical. Like it, it's it's otherworldly, right? Bro, I've, I, it's crazy. That feeling I feel when I hear a beautiful song is the same feeling. Not to get religious, but it's the same feeling I feel when I just feel like God is in my presence, bro. Like that's it's literally the exact same feeling, bro. Yeah, it's spiritual. So I, I just know that music puts me in a good place, and it, yeah, it's spiritual. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, it's. I just hope everyone can have that feeling too, because I mean, yeah, it's like really, it's the battery pack, right? It keeps it keeps you going. Exactly. That's why I, I t like. I tell my friends all the time. I'm like, yo, I wouldn't listen to that music. That that stuff is garbage, <laughs> and it it just makes you feel a certain way. Like, and I don't want to feel that way. Like, I I only really listen to like house, funk, soul, jazz. If I do listen to trap music, it's while I'm in the gym. And once I leave, I'm not listening to it, bro. It's frequencies. All this stuff is frequencies. And somebody put this energy into a record and it's transferring to you. 
You know what I'm saying? So that's why a lot of this hip hop stuff, there's a lot of bad violence and stuff that comes from it, you know? And that's hip hop didn't start with that though. You know, it started as a positive movement, you know? So I'll say, just be mindful of what you listen to, man. Like, like, bro, jazz is amazing. It really is. <laughs> you don't need to, you don't need to listen to anything else, you know? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I definitely feel it. I agree with you, though. I can definitely get, uh, you know, that that vibe from hip hop too. Um, there is obviously uh, parts of that genre that have that, especially the, the, there's so much jazz influence in, in that as well. And I, I find that in a similar way, kind of getting that same high, if, if you will, uh, from that. Dilla, right? Dilla, a tribe <laughs> so called Quest. Comes, yeah. Ninth Wonder. Yeah. Like, bro, that's jazz and soul, bro. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we got Kamasi Washington in here as well. There's a lot of yeah, especially a lot of the like Thundercat. Oh, man, I mean, it's phenomenal. Some crazy stuff out there, man. Um, so speaking of um, well, speaking of LA people, you're coming out to LA tomorrow, right? Are you gonna be playing out here this weekend? Yes, sir. I have a party at Resident uh, in the Art District. It's That's called awesome. the Sunset Social. So it's from two to eight p.m. Uh, we're selling tickets. There'll be limited tickets at the door, but yeah, man, it'll be like an open format party. Uh, me and two of my homies are spinning. This is my party I throw out here in New York, actually. So you know, it's a bi-coastal party now. I think this is the f this is the fourth one we've done this year. So yeah, bro. People, a lot of people don't know. Like I've been planning on like I'm not moving to LA, but like I will be throwing a lot of parties in LA. Like that's awesome, man. I'll yeah, we're right down the street from the residence so i'm definitely going to be a swing by for that uh this is saturday 2 to 8 p.m downtown yes. los angeles that's awesome man walking distance S from here sunset social and who else is playing it's going to be you mike nasty and uh my homie he goes by rough and the other one is tevo jones they just started djs but they're, 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 they're some of my best friends so it'll be a good night awesome man it's gonna be great to see you there um, and so, it's also this is like really the first time I got to chat to you, Mike. So uh, it's super awesome, man. And I'm really looking forward to you coming by here and meeting you in real life as well. Super dope. Um, I'm excited, man. I like I said, I've been playing your music. I'm a big fan of what you're what you've been doing. It's incredible music, and I highly recommend if you're not following Mike uh, on social media or on SoundCloud, just to do that right away. You can just type in exclamation point follow in the chat, and it will pull up uh, the links to those those things if it's not already in there. In fact, I think it already is. So. Yeah, definitely get on that. Um, real quick though, I did have a question in the chat from Arlo a little bit er a little bit earlier that I wanted to ask. Um, she wanted to ask you, um, and it was about um, ever look. It was she was curious to know: Do you ever look at your stuff and be surprised at, about how good it is? Not from a bragging point, but you catch yourself being like, "Wow, I made that." Not at all. It's it's really the opposite. Like. After I make a song and it's out, I'm like, yo, I don't even like this anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks, bro. But I guess that's what keeps me like elevating and like producing better. And like every time I drop new music, like it's always better. Just like sonically, percussion wise, like house music is way harder to produce than hip hop, bro. Ten times because you have to build that tension and release because so, it's, it's not a vocalist just always carrying the record. So you just got to got to tell a story intro build it up uh, release the energy build it back up it's it is man I, 
like get up get up was phenomenal like six months ago <laughs> but now i'm just like oh that's a cool record but i get to share it with people and you guys give me more hype about it like yo this is great this is phenomenal and i'm like all right this this record is is great you know but bro i'm already i have a, a asset house record oh, that shit. i just got bastard and like that's a whole nother like shout out to dj pierre like i met him mad long ago i never even thought i would that was before I was really producing house. I never thought I would make an asset house record, but I have one and it's super dope and it's going to drop next year. Um, yeah. And I'm just going to keep going, bro. And hopefully these piano lessons pay out and I'll be playing <laughs> even better on these records, man. But playing like Carrie Chandler, we hoping. Absolutely. I'm, I'm in it for the long haul. I'm, I'm actually paying tuition, which is crazy to say that. No, that's that's good, man. I mean, that's the that's part of the the music musician economy too. And like, yeah, I've I definitely paid a lot of money for lessons for especially for keyboards, man. It's a uh, man, what a great instrument to learn about. You know, if anyone is in this chat interested in picking up an instrument, man, keyboards, that'll teach you everything mm -hmm. that you need to know, and it's all right there in front of you. It's a really great learning instrument. As a matter of fact, when I went to jazz school, you had to take keyboard theory. Like that was just part of it. Was like everybody has to do it because yeah it's the fa it's like the easiest way to understand music because it's all in front of you um but yeah 100 percent down for that man it's really exciting man and and your record's out you said next week uh the, the name of the album is um i got it here deep into the sun and yeah you can pre-save that right now if you go to if you go to your ig i think you got a link in your link tree right yes sir really looking forward to hearing that mike and i'm looking forward to meeting you um any any advice or anything you want to leave us with uh, shout outs otherwise before we wrap Man, this up? Man, advice, bro, the law of attraction is real. <laughs> if you don't know what the law of attraction is, please look it up. It's basically the energy you put out in the, in the universe comes back to you. So I just live every day with a positive energy. Every day is a great day. I don't have bad days and it just it manifests, you know? So just look that up, bro. Manifestation, the law of attraction is really helped me in my career. I watched a documentary called The Secret back in like 2013. It's changed my life, literally. And I'm a living testimony. It, it works. And yeah, man, that's all I wanted out of life is just to be happy. And I've achieved that. So I just want to keep putting out dope art, man, and keep spinning dope shows. Absolutely, man. We really hope we get to hear more and more of, of your productions, and, and I'm looking forward to catching you this Saturday, too. So thank you again so much, Mike Nasty. Um, I'm actually going to take us out with uh, your song, Crazy Sexy Dirty, if you don't mind, because um, I love that. I love that tune, man. It's a, it's a banger, too. Uh, let me just pull it up. And yeah, thank you again to everybody for tuning in. Big up to the whole Good Music Twitch fam. Uh, thank you so much, Loki, for the raid and everyone who tuned in today. Uh, yeah, man. It's been a great time. And I hope you all have a fantastic day. This is uh, Crazy Sex Dirty by Mike Nasty. Peace, everyone. Peace, y'all.